0: It's time to make some magic. Joining us now, the Magic Man himself, radio play-by-play announcer, Jake Chapman, on In the Zone. That's right, I almost forgot about this intro. Good stuff. The Magic look to wrap up their West Coast roadie in style tonight, hoping to snatch a victory. From the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City, the man joining us on the hotline right now, he'll be on the call for this one. Pre-game with our very own Tyler Karen starts at 8.30, tip-off at a much more reasonable 9 p.m. Jake, I am not working these uh, road games, but these late tips are still killing me, and that's happening from my couch. So how are you holding up?
1: I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice to... To slowly revert back to normal hours, I guess, with the nine o'clock start tonight. Um, Dave Chappelle is performing at Amway Center while we're broadcasting this game, so I got to watch out for Tyler and Wendell to wander off. I might be, I might be doing the second <laughs> half of the game alone tonight. Uh, that is certainly going to be an issue. But um, it's been look back to back ten thirty starts, especially early in the season. It's uh, put it this way, I. I don't have the luxury of sleeping in because I've got a five-month-old daughter, but I've been chasing sleep the last couple of days, and it's not just because of the five-month-old. It's been it's been kind of tricky early on in the season here. But I'm good to go. Let's get it.
0: Yeah, Tyler was telling me that he woke up at 10.30 some days this week. I was telling him, <laughs> if I ever if I was ever still sleeping at 10 o'clock in the morning, Jake, they would just toe-tag me and ship me right off. That would be it.
1: Exactly. No, so- I, I woke up at 10.30, I think, once or twice, but it was because I went to sleep at, at 10.15. Who's <laughs> driving <laughs> that mid morning? That mid morning nap. The NBA nap is something that I've not. I'm not a good napper. We'll just talk sleep, I guess. Uh, I'm not a good napper, and so I I end up feeling like I need another nap, even if I slept for an hour or two. I just it, it like makes me a zombie the rest of the day. So I just kind of got to fight through it and drink a bunch of coffee. See, I don't have a five month old, and sometimes I act like a five year old and sleep whenever I want to. So that's I've been fortunate with. Uh, sleep fans after, yes, yes well, sir. Yeah, seriously, don't,
0: much like LeBron James doing what he did last night, we can't take these things for granted. You can't right. take those things for granted. I have wondered, final thing on sleep before we talk about the game itself, NBA players, it seems like a lot of the guys that we talk to, that is a part of their routine. They'll wake up in the morning, they'll go through workout, warm up, whatever, um, uh, shoot around, and then they'll go and take a nap. And, I mean, that, that is one of those things where I, I've, if you can't—if you try to nap too hard, you can't do it. And I wonder if sometimes, like, these guys are humans. If they want to take a nap so bad and can't, that it actually then throws off the rest of their day. You know, like, I wonder if that, we need to ask these guys at some point if that ever happens to them.
1: That is, that's, a great, that's a great question and something that I absolutely would be interested and getting to the bottom of. Um, I think probably how hard these guys work, it's probably not ever too hard for them to lay down and go to sleep. You know, for me, it's like, do I really need sleep? I don't know. I'm going to try to force it. Um, When you wake up and work out as hard as an NBA athlete, it's probably real easy to catch some Zs. But the other thing is that sometimes, and this is just personal preference and experience, sometimes just laying down and, and closing your eyes and turning off for 40 minutes or so, can have the same impact and the same Mm. effect so maybe that's part of
0: it okay we're gonna bring a sleep psychologist or something on the show maybe next week can you compare and contrast the energy execution just the overall vibe of this team going from night one in la competitive against the la lakers to then the very next night dominated by the la clippers what was the difference that you saw between the team on those two nights
1: yeah, it felt like the third quarter of the Clipper game was just an avalanche. I mean, keep in mind they were, you know, they played well for the first half of that game, and then third quarter, Russell Westbrook happened and Paul George happened. There was a sense. Dante and I are going to talk about this later on Drive Time. It felt like a little bit both games they were just kind of waiting for the Lakers to happen and the Clippers to happen, right? I think you know you press so much when you're young and when you're playing at Staples Crypto dot com Arena. Um, the lights are bright. It's Los Angeles. And so I thought the Lakers game, they clearly put everything out there. Like you saw that based on, you know, Jalen's emotional reaction after the game. Just, I mean, they fought their butts off in that game and they came up short to the greatest player of all time, arguably, and, and one of the top 75 players of all time. And D'Angelo Russell, frankly, he was the one who shot the Lakers, uh, uh to the win in that game. And then it, I, I don't know. I, I think the third quarter against the Clippers, they just kind of allowed the Clippers to do their thing. And whether that was being burnt out from everything you put out the night before or the Clippers being a really good team, which they have the capability certainly of being, um, it just didn't look great. And then, and I heard you guys talking about it yesterday. Talking, you know, the whole story, as far as I was concerned, with the second half of that game against the Clippers was, was the free throws. I mean, you're very much still in that game despite the 30 combined points in the third quarter from Westbrook and George. You just knock down your dang free throws. And so I think you're going to have another opportunity tonight. Utah will put you on the line. But we can't, we're not a good enough offensive team right now to be leaving anything free laying around, especially (laughs) trips to the free throw line. Uh, Especially because we have guys like Franz and Paolo who can get there sometimes at will. So. That needs to change pretty quickly, and I suspect it will.
0: Yeah, I want to see a more aggressive Palo. We'll get to him in a second. Talking to Jake Chapman, the Magic Radio play-by-play voice, tip-off at 9 o'clock, pregame 30 minutes prior. The Jazz on the second night of a back-to-back, but the first night didn't really put up much resistance. The Memphis Grizzlies, without John Morant, for those that have not been paying attention, have been brutal. They haven't won a game yet, and the Jazz took it to them So is this an advantage or a disadvantage for the Magic? Usually you want to be the team that has a day of rest going up against the team that's playing a back-to-back, but this doesn't really feel like a true back-to-back because of how easy it was for them last night and the fact that they're just staying at home.
1: Yeah, not crazy about the fact that it was 42-19 after 12 minutes of play last night. That that tends to... um to, I, I guess, kind of eliminate the advantage that you would have playing the second half of a back-to-back because I think they were on cruise control for the last 36 minutes of that game. Um, and you're right, Memphis is absolutely lost, and they got 20 more games of this to deal with before they get job back. I think, um, I think you lose a little bit of it, and, and this is a Utah team that I, I don't think they mind playing like that. They're not particularly interested in defending. They are going to get a lot of shots up. Um, they're cool with that. They're young. So it's. I don't think you're going to have a whole bunch of freaky legs running up and down the floor tonight. I think you're going to get still a pretty spry bunch with that said. Like you know, we should have some good looks tonight. We should have some good opportunities to get to the free throw line. Um, they're not the best defensive team by any stretch of the imagination early on in the season. They've got a really young roster um, and they've got some new pieces that they're working in. So. Um, I think there's going to be looks from the perimeter. It's just going to be a matter of knocking them down, and and that's been sort of the case all season, and it hasn't really worked. But um, I think this is a good chance to kind of get right as far as knocking down the three-ball. Look, Utah actually does a pretty good job of defending the three-ball percentage-wise, um, but but they're not a great overall defensive team. And so I think you're going to have some opportunities, be it in the mid-range, getting to the free-throw line, or knocking down shots from the perimeter, Um who knows what it's gonna look like trying to get to the rack because Walker Kessler, now John Collins, and then even Kelly Olenek um coming off the bench are, are pretty good interior defenders, so that yeah. might be off the table.
0: Right, yeah. When you when you're explaining that that they defend the three point line well and that's not really where the magic's bread is buttered, so I'm like, Okay, well you just take it to the you just take it to the rim. Uh then you have one of the best shot blocking artists in the NBA. So you you wanna yeah, maybe live in the mid-range tonight is the way to beat the Utah Jazz.
1: I think there's I think there's going to be opportunities there for sure. I think it's I think rebounding is going to be huge tonight. They're a really really good offensive rebounding team. Um and so, you know, some of the offensive numbers they've been able to put up is coming because they're getting two and three chances. They've got four of the top 30, I think, offensive rebounding guys in the league. John Collins has killed us uh, going back to his time in Atlanta on the offensive glass um and he's a top 10 offensive rebounder in the league and then we remember Walker Kessler last year the first time we got to look at him last time we were in that building in Utah he basically won the game with an offensive rebound i think it was 11 seconds left off of a missed free throw um so we're, and, and and look we've been really good on both sides of the glass defensive rebounds and we've had games um where the offensive rebounds and second chance points either kept us in it or won it for us so Keep an eye on that. The battle of the glass tonight is going to be big. Whoever's got more field goal attempts, I think, at the end of the night, regardless of the percentage they're shooting, is going to be in a a good position. So Palo's been slow
0: coming out of the gates. What do you attribute that to? I've blamed FIBA at times, seen some of the guys that were part of that Team USA roster get off to a slow start, Palo being one of them. Maybe just some general passiveness, and he's waiting to pick his spots that haven't shown up yet. What direction do you lean when trying to explain what we've seen from
1: palo yeah in situations like this the easiest answer is usually a combination of of everything right so i think there may be something to the fact that he's played a whole lot of basketball in the last year um at a level that he had never played before and he could be a little burnt out i think there might be something to the fact that look like last year he it's not like he caught the the league by surprise or anything but you know, there's tape on him now. And so, and there are, there's better prep and he's at the top of the scouting report. Um So I think there's, I think that's working twofold. I think teams are better prepared for him. And then I think, you know, the magic coaching staff and Paulo are anticipating that preparation and trying to make him a, a little bit more of a facilitator, which early on in the season might not look great, but it's going to pay pay off long-term. He is doing other things. He's passing the ball. Well, his assist numbers are up. I mean, look, it's small sample size, but, um, they're up, he's, he's getting steals, he's playing well defensively, so um, he's helping you, and the other part is this, Brandon, I think it's uh, we talk about it a little bit, but I'm not sure we're give, giving it enough credence is the whole team is shooting the ball poorly from the perimeter, and so if there's not that spacing on the floor a guy like Paolo, a guy like Franz whose bread and butter is attacking the bucket your spacing screwed up, and now guys can cheat to the lane, and uh, you're running into two, three guys, rather than you know, one or two with guys glued to the perimeter because they have to stay honest. So I think if you can figure out a way for the other guys on the floor, and this is not just the starting lineup, um, I expect Coach Mosley to continue tinkering with the rotations a bit i think getting gary harris who's basically been your only good three-point shooter so far this year on the floor with paulo a little bit more um uh, going to be a priority franz as well and you just got to space the floor a little bit better to open up lanes for those guys and i think they will
0: where's the where's the corner three that we fell in love with during the preseason i feel like i haven't seen the same sort of um deliberate attack at that part of the court speaking of spacing and maybe i'm wrong on this but what is what? What are your eyes telling you in terms of of that corner three that they clearly put a focus on in the preseason?
1: I don't have the numbers in front of me as far as the attempts go, but what my eyes are telling me is that it doesn't matter where you're shooting from, you're missing them. Like the, mm. like you're getting you're getting pretty good looks. I mean, it's a, it is a make or miss league. You had what 28 assists against the Lakers, and you come up short in that game. Um, and that was a game where you did shoot the ball pretty well. So the ball movement's been, I think, good enough. I don't. I think there's times like the end of the Lakers game. Um, And then when you start to press a little bit, like when the Clippers are making their charge in the third, where we go a little too ISO heavy, and it's my turn, your turn, you know, one, two pass possessions. But I think they've done a really good job, especially thinking back to last year, of, of developing in that area. The ball's moving pretty well, and you're getting some pretty good looks. And I'm not just talking about threes. I'm talking about elbow jumpers. I'm talking about Cole Anthony at the rim, missing two layups in the Lakers game, which very, very rarely happens. I mean, there's been... Um, there has been a whole lot of good looks that just haven't dropped, and and so you just got to keep keep playing, as Coach Mosley always says. Keep working the offense, keep passing up good looks for better ones, um, and at some point, God willing, they will. Those shots will fall.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll we'll pray, we'll do rain dances, whatever we need to do. <laughs> Magic Jazz tonight coverage starts at eight thirty. Tip off right here at nine p.m. on your home for Orlando Magic basketball. 96-9 the game. Thanks so much, Jake. Have a good broadcast tonight, and uh, keep these young guys in check.
1: You got to be KLC on Saturday.
0: Good bet, bad bet coming up. But first, the best bet you can make when it comes to your A.C. system, relying on the good folks at Bear Air. Why mess around? Get with the best. Bear Air.